Welcome to A Dab of Investment, the go-to podcast on wealth management for people with investments, pensions, and something to leave behind for the next generation by Alex and David Pritchard, powered by Appward Independent. Hi, and welcome back to A Dab of Investment. In this episode, we're going to talk about American shares, the American stock market, really to challenge the thinking of and it's a, a human behavioral thing of, oh, it's done well in the past, so it's going to continue to do so. Well, I'm not so sure. And I think it is worth challenging because there has to be swings and roundabouts, highs and lows. Nothing can ever continue forever. And in the US market sense, if you look at, say, the Dow Jones, and we've just done a podcast on the UK market, its prosperity that we're thinking about, what it, what it looks like. And I think that it's showing fantastic value and there, I'm casting some doubts over the American market. Now, I'm fully aware that most people out there, certainly from our peers and other financial advisors, are actually very, very heavily invested into the US market. I sort of challenge that investment rationale where it's more looking backwards than looking forwards. And, and I don't really like so much looking backwards telling me what the future is going to look like. I know that there's a lot of static portfolios out there that are sitting at 7% UK and 65% America, which in investment terms last year gave you such a beating, it's going to be tough to recover from. But looking back historically at America, since the year 2000, the UK market was at 7,000 points. It's nearly 8,000 points now. So it hasn't moved much in 23 years. The, the, the US market, I think the Dow was at about 12,000 points, currently is at 33,500 points. So it's had phenomenal share price growth. And not only has it been outside of the emerging markets, probably the best performing market on average for the last two decades. And I think that at times the US was, was pushing 13% per annum. Whereas the UK market was more like four, five, seven percent per annum, including dividends reinvested. And 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 that sort of outlook of the American sort of market was only strengthened in 2020 because the US market from peak to trough, I think in February 20, was was down something like 40% within four weeks of the, the first lockdown coming in. But it recovered so quickly because what did we all do on lockdown? We ordered from Amazon tech. We FaceTimed each other, tech. We bought electric cars, tech. You know, the, the tech sector, which is so massive, sways the market entirely because these companies are so huge that when they move 10%, the entire market moves a couple of percent because markets are swayed on companies' size. You know, if you've got a market with 500 companies in, they don't sway one 500th each. The, this weight based on if one company is so big, it's 50% of the market in terms of size. If it goes up 4%, the market goes up to 2% before the rest of the companies are even looked at. So this really big tech explosion in 2020, you know, you lost little and you gained absolutely massively. I think 2020, Tesla, for example, their shares went up by seven times. 10K would have been 70K in a year. Yeah, you know, sign me up. But the the subsequent sort of stagnation, and there's always this sort of 
nagging feeling, certainly in my head, when I talk so much about value. What's the value? How do you measure it? I mean, Tesla, for example, a really, really popular internet share. I mean, even even Elon Musk himself says uh, has said in the past, I don't know why Tesla's shares are worth so much. I mean, if anyone's opinion you're going to listen to about a share, certainly about Tesla shares, you might want to listen to Elon because he thinks the share price is too high. You know, it might be a bit of a red flag for me if I owned it, certainly if it went up seven times over in 2020. But nonetheless, I mean, Tesla was a company that was making losses. It's like worth, I don't know the exact worth of value of the company. It was like hundreds of billions or a trillion dollars or something like that. And it made no profit. You know, there was a point where Tesla's PE ratio was so high, the metrics, the PE ratio metrics just don't even go that high. So is that cheap? Is that expensive? We don't know. And it's the same with Apple, Amazon. You know, these companies are innovative. They're innovating stuff all the time. But Apple's share price, for example, how can you see that going up 10 times over? What, we're going to have an, an Apple fridge, an Apple straw? The Apple straw tells you how fast you're sucking the, the juice out of your cup and it tells you what the weather's going to be like. You know, how, how much more integrated can these companies get into our lives where their shares are going to continue to go up because they're going to sell more of their stuff to us? You know, we've all got Amazon accounts. You know, they're not going to go from a billion Amazon accounts to 20 billion Amazon accounts. You know, they need to extract more money out of us by doing different things, but they're already doing so much. And how can these things be valued? The big movers of the American market. How can they be valued? And because they've exploded so quickly, and yes, companies like Amazon have been around for decades, but that's not very long in the, the, the grand scheme of things. In comparison to the, the UK's biggest companies, you know, Barclays, I mean, what's Barclays? Like hundreds of years old? AstraZeneca, the petrochemical companies, they're like permanent staples that have been going some for hundreds of years. They've continued to go throughout that time. What happens if Apple is Nokia in the 1990s? We don't know that. That could be tomorrow. And I'm not saying that American shares are bad, but that uncertainty of they're so massive, how, how do we value them? That does give me some cause for concern. There aren't many redeeming factors with a lot of American shares because they don't have very big yields. Certainly historically, yields have been far, far smaller which is why the American market has moved so much because it's all been share price growth. And the UK market has moved so little because the UK market has produced on average 4% dividends for the last two decades. So that's where people's growth has come from, that yield. So the past has been pretty rosy for US, although anyone that was obviously, your confidence would be so high with the US, certainly through 2020, where you took all that risk with things like American tech it cost you nothing on the downside and gave you so much upside that, yeah, your confidence is going to be like, I am the emperor, you know, I am the king of investment. But traditionally, high volatility shares should kick you between the legs when things don't do very well. And I think that that has been the case. The, the NASDAQ market, this is the one that has all the big tech stuff in it, like 16,000 points, Jan. 22, now to 10, 11,000 points. That's minus 50%. And that's terrible. That is terrible. And the funny thing is, 
to me, whilst I've been talking about how cheap the UK feels to me, the US market still feels expensive to me. And after 50% fall, it shouldn't, but it does. You know, even the, uh, the, the Dow Jones, similar to other markets around the world, 36,000 points, 2022, had a proper fall to I think about 28,000 points now to 33 and a half thousand points that the Dow is at now. Again, I mean, P ratios unknown in some cases. I think on average, the PE ratio is still mid twenties in the, the US market. Historical averages, 14, 15, 16 times. It still feels expensive. I'm not finding any redeeming qualities. And whilst the US has had a, a rally recently, certainly in the Dow rather than the NASDAQ, I think there's, a, there's been a lot of driving of treasury bills, which is the, the, the sort of governments borrowing their, their interest rates have been really good because the, the Fed has been so aggressive in raising its interest rates. There's a fear that it does too much too quickly and then the fallout from that can be pretty, pretty spicy. But they've been hiking the rates so aggressively that Things like treasury bills have been so attractive and the dollar's really been helped by that. The dollar almost got parity to the pound. Terrible for our holidays. You know, who wants to go to America? You can't even afford a burger anymore. You can't eat American food anyway because you'll get too fat from it. It's too unhealthy and it's too expensive as well. It's just an expensive way of putting weight on. When, when we had that, I think the, the pound got to 107 in the dollar. Terrifically cheap. The Fed starts to unwind these aggressive interest rate hikes. The treasury bills, I think, I think things are going to become a bit less attractive. In the second half of this year, there's going to be a, a number of effects, a number of effects out there that I can't go into in too much detail in such a short podcast. But I think the dollar is going to weaken again in the second half of this year. Benefit to China, weakening dollar always, but which may lead to Share prices coming down a bit, although it may lead to buying opportunities towards the end of this year for American shares. So if there's going to be buying opportunities for American shares at the end of the year, that means you don't want them now. Just looking at the, the American market, the volatility, the uncertainty, is Biden going to be any good for America? The questions that are swirling around generally at the moment. I'm still holding some America in the portfolio, but it's a very, very minor percentage of my portfolio. My American tech exposure now is 5%. You know, we had so much more. In 2020, we held loads of it. One of our funds picked up 77% in 12 months, including when it fell in February. And it was great. And you know what? I took all the profit out of it and more. And that's fallen by half since. But everyone's got 5% of it. So that level of risk, volatility, and exposure in the portfolio, I'm happy with. But I still think for the amount of risk that it occupies, for the lack of clarity from what we can see in terms of values, it, it's definitely not going to be a major contributor to performance. So yeah, it's still, I suppose at this point, again, as we say in all other podcasts that we talk about investment and performance, you've got to see somebody independent to actually get to the bottom of what's right for you personally. And it's still my opinion at the end of the day. And I think it's going to be interesting. I'm certainly not looking to increase my direct American exposure. My overseas exposure is generally, mostly in general, global funds. A global fund technically is anywhere, excluding UK. 
So a global fund can buy anything it wants, just not the UK with 80% of its money. So global funds are um, happier buying because they may they may have a bit of America when it when it needs to to be in the global fund. They may have a bit of Europe, a bit of Japan, China, or whatever. I'm pretty certain that most of the global funds they've got to do an investment fund has to buy what it says on the tin to the tune of at least eighty percent of its money. I'm pretty sure that that twenty percent it can use for anything. Some of that's going to come to the UK, but the global funds with their ability to move quickly, I think. Is, is certainly the key aspect of our overseas money and exposure, which is still a minority of the portfolios at the moment with the majority in the UK. Hopefully this has been an interesting talk for you. And if you've got mostly American-based portfolios, I really do think you need to come and have a chat to us and, and, and see what else is out there for you. And if you have a portfolio, which is the majority in the US, we might be able to give you better returns for less risk. And isn't that what we're all after? So yeah, thank you for listening again. I hope this has been of use to you. I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Adapt of Investment. Please remember to subscribe and review and visit applewoodindependent.co.uk for the latest on wealth management and financial advice. See you next time.